Well, this morning we are very, very blessed to have a uh, veteran missionary to come and open the Word of God. Um, he is uh, very familiar to many of you, Doug and Margie Nichols. Margie would come to the office uh, and uh, help us fold bulletins, and then uh, Doug has uh, been a leader in the small groups, and oftentimes we've asked him to come to speak, and it's such an encouragement. I remember also Margie's father very fondly because he was a missionary who came, and he was very tall, and uh, I was a, just a little boy, and he was larger than life to me, and he would come and preach at the church that I was at, and I remember that many, many years ago, and God has blessed uh, him as well as Doug and Margie with a tremendous ministry around the world in which they've had opportunities to speak in various groups, whether they're small or large with thousands of individuals. Lord has really, really used them to encourage many people to have a heart for the world, to have a heart for missions, to have a heart for those who are uh, disadvantaged pastors around the world, and I hope that you'll appreciate him as well. So let's give him a warm welcome as he comes up. It is nice to be with you. Uh, pardon my throat. I have a hard time with my speaking. I went to see the doctor, and I thought he was just going to examine me a little bit, look in, see what's happening. He took this long tube. And he says, you ready? And I said, ready for what? <laughs> and he sticks it up your nose, and it goes down your throat. And he, but you know, you hear those nice words when he finishes, no cancer. And whenever that always happens, and, and it's uh, good. This is my, Margaret and my 50th uh, wedding anniversary year. And uh, by the way, some of you have, do not know Margaret. Would you stand? <laughs> Margaret, some do not know you. So would you stand, please? <laughs> when I first saw her singing in a concert, I said, Lord, I don't deserve a wife, but if you give me one, I want that one right there. <laughs> and uh, we met that next summer at Allen Bible Camp over near Squim, near um, Posbo, uh, Washington. The, uh, someone came up to me and said, uh, 50 years, are you going to celebrate? I said, oh, yeah, we, I got it narrowed down to five special restaurants. Oh, yes, which ones are they? I said, well, Burger King. McDonald's, Taco Bell, and she said, you know, Wendy's is really nice. <laughs> it has a salad. Well, it's good to be with you. Uh, in fact, Wendy here helped me with a, a church directory because we have, when you get to my age, you begin to forget names. And thank you, Wendy. You saved my bacon, as they say in the South. Uh, the South is really different. Uh, you go to South Carolina and you walk outside and you look up in the sky, you actually see the sun. <laughs> and it's really, it, there really is a sun. Uh, you in Seattle and the Pacific Northwest have never seen it, but it's, it's really nice. And uh, we enjoy, we're in a small little fellowship. Uh, our pastors uh, graduate of Master's Seminary. We have about 75 people. And I've noticed that wherever you go in small churches or large churches, you've got people with needs. And uh, we have never been so busy in all of our life. And uh, when we were able, when we sold our little place across the street, we were able to buy a house 
uh, four-bedroom house with an office with money left over. And we bought our furniture. And we went to Costco and bought one of these big, long tables. You know, the 747 could land on it. <laughs> and we, on a, uh, we average 12 and 14 people at that table very often. Just a week ago, Saturday, we had brunch for 13. Friday night, we had another 13. And we find that people, you, you think the South is, is, uh, is, is, is really strong in hospitality, but sometimes that's just, that's just a name. And we find that hospitality is difficult. Uh, it, it really is. You know, it's like coming to church on Sunday. Sunday should be difficult for God's people. Did you know that? You have to do certain things that go against the flesh to make sure you're there on time, make sure you're, you're greeting people, make sure you're caring for needs, make sure you encourage the pastor. It, is, uh, you know, it should be inconvenient for God's people. Well, hospitality is the same thing. Hospitality, that's why one of the requirements of an elder and a deacon is hospitality, caring for others. And some of you are maybe are, uh, are striving to be in leadership of uh, Living Hope Bible Church. Remember, one of the responsibilities you have is caring for other people. And it's inconvenient, and it's difficult, and you have to work at it. That's one of the reasons why it says work for the night is coming. You have an opportunity right now while you are living to work for the glory of God. It goes against the flesh. And so often that's all we think about is our flesh and our, and our, our convenience instead of something inconvenient. Some of you are asked to teach sometime or be an usher or be a deacon or an elder. And one of the things you say is, oh, I don't feel comfortable with that. Have you ever said that? Notice when you say that, I don't feel comfortable. Where's the focus? Where's the focus? Focus is on ourself rather than on serving God's people. Well, recently we were given $35,000 worth of Bibles, the Reformation Study Bible. This is a $60 Bible. We were given 500 copies of this Bible for the Philippines. And um, we were able to, all we had to do was pay for the shipping. We can ship 20 of them for $43. In other words, if you would wrote a check today for C10 for $43, you would be able to provide $1,400 worth of Bibles for the Philippines. That's a pretty good investment, isn't it? Now, unless you be upset because I said something about money. Do you know George Whitfield went through it during the revival of the Great Awakening through the South Carolina, North Carolina, Georgia, uh, Pennsylvania, and all these other places. Do you know every time he would preach to thousands of people outdoors, he, he would take an offering for his orphanage in Georgia. So if you get upset with me about talking about $43 to send Bibles, well, just I'm in good company, I hope, with George Whitfield. By the way, would anybody like this Bible? I will give it to you if you read it. <laughs> this is, 
If you read, I, I, I did my math. If you read six pages a day in this Reformation Study Bible, you will read through the whole Bible in one year. So who would like this Bible if you read it six pages a day for one year? Would anybody like that? Who would like it? Now, parents, you make sure he does this. <laughs> Turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. You know something, when they gave us those Bibles, they could have given us a cheap, hardback Bible worth $12. That Bible's genuine leather. Can you imagine what a pastor's going to feel like when he gets that? Can you imagine what a pastor who makes only $30 a month and has no money to buy Bibles, when he has that Bible, and our people teach him how to use it, to study it, to preach from it, to teach it, the Word of God. Can you imagine that? the tears flowing down his eyes. You know, you and I <laughs> have many Bibles in our home. Can you imagine this pastor who maybe makes $30 a month, perhaps, and he has nothing, his child gets sick, and uh, how does he pay for medicine for his child? Uh, how does he pay for the school bills for his children? And, and he's got a study Bible, which is valued at two months' salary. And he's able to study it. My sermon today is Wide Door, Many Adversaries. Wide Door, Many Adversaries. And I'll just use a text. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. And he's explaining to them why he's not being able to visit them. And he's going to maybe visit them. And he has to go through Macedonia and so forth. He's, he's just giving up. He's finishing his letter. And then he uses this phrase at the end. He says, in verse 8 and 9, Chapter 16 of 1 Corinthians, he uses this phrase, but I will remain in Ephesus. I want to come and visit you, but verse 8, but I will remain in Ephesus until Pentecost. Pentecost was, was uh, uh, the, when the Holy Spirit came, and uh, it was a great event for the, for the Jewish calendar, but also for, uh, for Christians. But I will remain in Ephesus until Pentecost, and then he said in verse 9, for a wide door for effective service has opened to me and there are many adversaries. And there are many adversaries. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would bless this short message today for all of our, for all of our hearts that we might be different people when we leave. And Father, may we as God's people here in Essequah lift up our eyes and look on the fields of the world that are ready for harvest. Lord, we have so much to do here in Essequah and in Redmond and Kirkland and Bellevue and Seattle. But God, you called us to be your people, pilgrims who are just passing through. Help us not to make this our home, but look forward to glory. And will you use us and move us where you would like us to be for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For a wide door for effective service has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. Four points. Number one, a wide door. A wide door. Not just any door. The King James Version, which some of you love, says a great door. There's only a narrow door to glory, but a, 
a wide door, a great door of opportunities here and worldwide, even though we're living in a desperate age. Narrow door to heaven. Jesus said, I am the door. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I'm the life. No one comes through the Father but through me, through this door. And if you're sitting here today thinking that you can somehow uh, become a mananampalataya, a true believer, as we say in the Philippines, uh, a true believer by believing something else, that there's no hope for you aside from you entering that door of Christ, Jesus becoming your Savior. We enter this door by not carrying our good works, but by faith alone, by grace alone. Not works, but by grace alone. When 1993, when I had uh, colon cancer, and doctors told me I had about three months to live. So I had two missionary friends who took me out to breakfast. Breakfast is my favorite meal. Some of you have heard this. And uh, breakfast, my favorite meal, they took me to Denny's in Totem Lake. And Denny's had a special. The Grand Slam, one ninety-nine, or you out of your mind. And I don't know why missionaries only take other missionaries out to eat when there's a special. <laughs> and so we went. There must have been a convention going on because the place was packed. Finally, we got a table. The waitress came over. You could tell she's frustrated with so many people. She came over. She brought her coffee. And she said, I'll be back in a few minutes to take your order. She rushes off. Well, I, this lady was something different about her. And I said to my two friends, I said, uh, I wonder if that... Girl's a, a believer. I wonder if she's a Christian. There was nothing attractive about her. In fact, she was kind of dumpy. She had food on her blouse and hair all messed up and nothing physically attractive, but there was something about her that was, that was, that, that glowed for Christ. So when she came over, and I said to my friend, I'm going to try to find out if she's a believer. So she came over and they said, now don't embarrass us. She came over and said, may I have your order, please? And I said, ma'am, I said, I know you're busy. This is not an opportune time. You're so busy. So, many, so much is happening. I said, but I, can I ask you a question? I said, the doctors tell me I'm dying. I, I'm dying probably in three months. Can you tell a man who's dying of cancer how to go to heaven? Can you believe I asked her that? I mean, she's trying to sell bacon and eggs. And can you tell a man who's dying of cancer how to go to heaven? She did not hesitate at all. She looked at me and said, I certainly can. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Wow. Man, I fell back in my chair. I said, then, you must know John fourteen six. She said, I certainly do. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh into the Father but by me. Now may I have your order? I don't know about you, but that's the kind of person I want to be like. That whether I'm dressed appropriately, whether I have a flu food on my my shirt, where my hair is all messed up, whether it's inconvenient or not, where I feel good or not, where I'm dying of cancer or not, be able to say to someone immediately, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, who said, I am the way. Without the way, there's no going. I am the truth. Without the truth, there's no knowing. I am the life. Without the life, there is no living. Colossians 1, 13, 14 says, For Christ rescued us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us from the kingdom of, of his beloved Son 
in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Has Christ forgiven you of your sin? Have you come to him in repentance and faith? You know, parents, I have bad news for you. Many times our kids leave the church. We say, what can we do to leave them in, keep them in church when they go away to college? You need to remember, have they ever truly trusted Christ? Have they come to faith in him alone? Have they repented of their sin, even though they may not fully understand? Have they known that they, they brought shame on the glory of God through their sin, their disobedience? Have they come to faith in Christ? You need to pray for the salvation of your children. You can't manipulate it. You train them and bring them up in the nurture of the Lord, but you give them an opportunity to face the reality of their sin and come to faith in Christ. Adults, what about you? Have you trusted Christ? Have you come to a place of repentance? Are you kind of, it's culturally, your family's always culturally been Christian. Culture does not save. Only Christ saves. Come to faith in him. Jesus is a narrow door to salvation, which in this life opens up a wide door of service. Many opportunities which come from many needs. Two billion people in the world with no Christian living near them to tell them of Christ. We have the audacity, some people will say, the day of sending missionaries is over. When two billion people have yet to know of Christ and have no near neighbor Christian to tell them about the Savior? If you sent one missionary to a group of 5,000 people of the 2 billion, how many missionaries would you need today? 400,000 more missionaries. So I ask some of you today, have you considered missions? Is your whole life, just, you're just going to be a, a chemical engineer the rest of your life? Is your whole success just to provide for your family? All you want to do is go to UW. As a parent, all you want to do is see your children successful and, 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 and go into Stanford. What, why, why don't you give up your small ambitions and take the world on for your parish and begin to pray that God would move some of the young people and, and, and middle-aged and older people to serve God overseas? A chief in Africa told me one time, he showed me the on the Zambezi River in Zambia, he said, you can have all this thousands of acres if you fill it up with kids, with orphans. <laughs> fill up with, all this is, land is yours. Just fill up with orphans. You know, I see some older people here today. Why don't you take that chief up on his offer? You may not even like kids. What that got to do with it? Gather one or 2,000 orphans, aged orphans, who are living by themselves with no mom and dad out in the forest of Zambia and Malawi, Uganda, and begin to nurture them in the things of God. And what if you do die early? I can see a thousand kids digging a burial plot for you in that beautiful red African soil and laying down their grandmother and grandfather who came and told them about Jesus and, and putting your bodies down there and raising their hands to to, to heaven and saying, thank you, God, for sending grandfather and grandmother to tell me about Jesus. Boy, that would be a funeral. Boy, that would be a funeral. 
41,000 untrained pastors in the Philippines, many earning less than $130 a month. You know, this is not to offend anybody, but some of you spend $30 a month on cat food, dog food. Just remember, dogs and cats do not go to hell. People go to hell. And though you may have all the pets you want to, don't let it consume you to the point that you don't lift up your eyes and look on the fields and begin to do something about some of the needs of the world. We need to reach those around us and beyond us at the same time. Acts 1.8 says, Go to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the world. Not either or, but both and. Don't think, well, we have, our, we have so much to do here in, in Issaquah. I mean, we have more drug overdose deaths in Issaquah than downtown Seattle among the homeless. And there's so much to do here. Why do you want us to go to Manila? Because it's not either or. It's both and. It's both and. You know, as you, as you pray for Issaquah, as you pray for downtown Seattle, as you pray for the, the situation in the United States, you pray for that and you get involved in doing something about that. But then you don't forget Manila or Shanghai or Singapore you know, or South Africa. You don't, you don't forget these areas because all the world is the parish of God. Paul says in Colossians 4, 3 and 4, pray for us that God will open to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. You know, in other words, wide door. Number two, a wide door, but number two, for effective service. Effective service. That which counts for eternity. My favorite verse in the Bible is 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight. Therefore, my brother, my beloved brethren and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. You hear that? Whatever you do for God is not in vain. It's effective. Are you listening? Anything done for Christ is not in vain. It's effective. For example, James one twenty seven, Pure and undefiled religion in sight of God our Father is this, to care for orphans and widows and their distress, and to keep yourself unstained from the world. As you do simple things like caring for the needy. It opens a door of opportunities for you to share the gospel, to glorify God, because it's effective. Second Samuel 23, 11 and 12 talks about Shammah. Shammah. Boy, I'm glad I don't have that name. Shammah. You know, my name is Doug in the, Philipp- in the Philippines. Filipinos always get it wrong, don't they, Becky? They always say D-O-U-G-H or D-O-N-G, dong. You didn't know I was Chinese, did you? Dong and, and all this other stuff. One time, excuse me for saying this in church on Sunday morning, I'm preaching in a church of 30,000 people. They have 30,000 bulletins printed. My name was there. It wasn't Doug Nichols. It was Dung 
nickels. And when I got there early, the poor people were panicky, you know, because you know, I was supposed to be all upset, mad, and angry, and insulted, and never coming back. And, and they're all, all the leaders were up front, about 30 of them. And I walked up, oh, sir, we're so sorry. what are we going to do? And I said, hey, they're going to burn the bullet. They're going to throw them away. 30,000? I said, no, no, no. So I talked to them, and they're saying that. So, but anyway, how did, because everybody's reading that bulletin. Everybody in church is, oh, man, going like this. Because you don't do that. So I walked up on the platform, and I said, did you see how they spell my name today? <laughs> oh. I said, what does, it, what does it matter how people spell our name? You know, Paul the Apostle, what did Paul say? I could wish that myself was rubbish that I might know Christ. The secretary came up to me afterwards and said, you saved my job. <laughs> but Shema, a, he's called David's mighty man. What did he do? He took his sand in the midst of a field of beans, defended it and struck it against the, defended it against the Philistines. And then it says this, and the Lord brought about a great victory. Isn't that interesting? Defending a plot of beans. But they were God's beans. <laughs> it was God's property. Insignificant little thing, and yet God, it belonged to God. Shema, he wanted to glorify God. This belonged to God. He drew his sword and fought the Philistines. And God brought about a great victory. Now, you may think your life or job or abilities are worth beans. But think again. Do you realize that God has put you in that position, that place, that situation, even though it's so insignificant that God might bring about a great victory for his namesake because of your faithfulness for Christ. And little things. You know, my life was insignificant, almost embarrassing. Three step brothers, three half I mean three step sisters, three half brothers. I was I went to school all uh Mexicans and blacks and uh I was uh, fighting one group every I was with very few whites in the school so I was a fighter, and so they asked me to leave school early. I graduated early. Did you graduate early? I got you. Doug, if you promise me you won't come back to school, here's your diploma. <laughs> and uh, couldn't read, could hardly write. Uh, year, two years later, a fellow shared the gospel with me. I was an alcoholic, drunk. Shared the gospel with me. I came to faith in Christ. The next day, I went down to a Baptist bookstore. I bought me one of those Ken James Version Thompson Chain Reference Bible. That thing was so big that I, I dropped, if I had dropped it, I broke my foot. Went to Bible school. A fellow led me to Christ. He went to Bible school and asked me to come up and prayed with me. And I still remember being up in Bible school. I wanted to study the Bible. And I knew I was very insignificant. I couldn't do a thing. I could hardly read or write. And I remember two other professors said, Doug, why did you come to Bible school? You're just a waste of our time. I went for summer work here in Washington, and uh, eastern Washington. I remember the, after the end of the summer, the director was taking me back to the Greyhound bus station to catch the bus, go back up to Canada. And as he drove to the bus station, he said, Doug, you really want to be a missionary? And I said, yes. He said, I think you should change your mind. I don't know anything you can do. 
Boy, I was discouraged. And yet, little by little, just learning to to study and read a little bit here and there, and felt God could you use somebody insignificant like me to serve you? I mean, I'm a nobody. And during the three years of Bible school, I applied to 30 different missions, and nobody would take me. Finally, I joined a group called Operation Mobilization. Have you heard of OM? In those days, they took anybody. <laughs> went, to, went to India for two years, came back, and married Margaret. Boy, that was great. And we applied to Overseas Missionary Fellowship. And, uh, and they didn't want me, but they wanted Margaret. <laughs> so God led, you know, we, we had a burden for Japan. Oh, I loved, loved the Japanese. And uh, we're on the way to Japan, and, uh, and got noticed from the Japanese leader. said, well, don't send Doug Nichols here. He'll never learn Japanese. So then we were going to Korea. And the Korean leader said, don't send him here. He'll never learn Korean. But then the Filipinos they looked at my record and they said, well, send him here. We know English better than he does. <laughs> <laughs> now, am I telling that to glorify ignorance? Not at all. But God moved Margaret and me to the Philippines where we've been serving since 1970. God moved us to the Philippines not because of our sufficiency, not because of our abilities, but because of our inabilities. In other words, God puts you where he wants you for his glory, and we can trust him. So don't glorify ignorance. Be all that you should be in Christ. Continue to grow in grace and knowledge of Christ. But don't let your inabilities keep you. Like some Stuart Briscoe, you know what Stuart Briscoe said? If it's worth doing for God, it's worth doing badly. See, we usually say the other thing, don't we? In other words, there's a lot of jobs out there that are not being done, and you say, well, you know, I'm not really good at that. Nobody else is doing it. Well, maybe you should step forward. Well, I'm not very good with teenagers. You know, I don't even feel comfortable around them. What are we going to do with these teenagers? But nobody else is working with them. You know, maybe I'm not the best one to do it, but stepping forward... And people see that they can do the job just as well as you can, and it encourages others to get involved in, in, the, in, in God's work. Don't let your inabilities keep you from glorifying God. God took us to the Philippines for a, little, for a lifetime of ministry, not because of abilities, but because of inability. Remember what Jesus said? Well done, faithful servant. You've been faithful in what? Repeat that. What? Well done, faithful servant. You've been faithful in what? Little things. Packing a box of, of baby clothes for Shalom and, and Antipolo, Philippines. Is that, is that a big thing? It's a, it's a little thing. Women getting together doing little things coming together and blessing these little babies and families in the Philippines, making baby clothes for little orphans and sharing the gospel with a teenager when you may not even like a teenager, simply being kind to someone, 
Are you listening? Anything done for Christ and His glory is effective. Buying a few gospel tracts and prayerfully giving them to others. Carrying money in your pocket so that you can immediately help someone. Someone needs something today. Are you able to help them? They're not going to give me a credit card or a check. How are they going to cast a check on Sunday? You, you, you prepare yourself for little things. When you pay a bill at the restaurant, smile, be kind. Give a large tip in a gospel booklet. Open the door for others. Say thank you. Look at people in the eye. When you see a policeman, tell them you're praying for them. Especially today, these days. At church dinners and potlucks, help some and serve and care for others, especially the, the elderly. Why are some of you the first one in line every time? When there's elderly coming right behind you that need some help. You know, in other words, look for ways to bless and serve others in little things. There's a police station, a fire station, not too far away. You've got a wonderful reception uh, fellowship right now. Why don't you invite all of them down with their families and, and bless them in the name of Christ and say you're praying for them and give them a special dinner and say thank you. Why don't some of you do that? Why don't you invite the poor in your area for a special meal and serve them in, in Jesus' name and practice hospitality. Why don't you skip the $4.50 specialty coffee and provide a whole Christmas meal and a, and a, and a Christmas gift for a little street kid? 100,000 children living on the streets of Metro Manila. Why don't you do something for that, for them? Small, effective things such as kindness. Proverbs 19.22 says, What is desirable in a man or woman is his kindness. Kindness. 182 times God's loving kindness is mentioned in the Bible. And some of you are just not kind. Why not? You walk right by people when you see them on the street. You never smile. You never go out of your way. How do people know that you're a Christian? If, if the Bible says, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works... Are they seeing your good works, especially kindness, kindness? You know, we say we don't like certain groups of people. In the Philippines, <laughs> we don't like the police. I mean, many of them are so corrupt. And my wife and I were at a store one time, and she was shopping, and I was walking around looking at all the little displays, and, and there were three policemen in there. They should have been outside working, but they're inside. It's because it's hot outside in the Philippines, they're inside. And they were a SWAT team, a SWAT. Had their machine guns and bulletproof vests, and they're sitting there, air conditioned. Well, I walked by, and they looked at me, and I just, hard. Wasn't easy. And I'm telling this illustration because it's, anybody can do it. I just walked over and said, how are you today? It's hot outside, isn't it? Don't you find that wearing black is hot outside? By the way, what does SWAT mean? Does it mean I SWAT you, you SWAT me? <laughs> and they smiled. Uh, how's your family? I just briefly spoke to them. How are you today? Scared to death that machine gun was going to come around like that. And I walked away. Came back and a few minutes later and I was, there's a, there a French bakery coffee, good coffee. 
And I went in and I said, and the, the, the police were around the corner. I just went over to the lady and I said, ma'am, I want to do something. I want you to get some of those special insomata. They're like a big sweet roll, special in the Philippines. Special insomata. And I want you to put three of them and three special coffees. And I would take it around to the policeman around the corner. And she says, I will not. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. She said, I'm not going to take this to those policemen out there. Do you know who they are? I said, yes, they're police. She said, what do you, what do you want to do that for? She argued with me. I mean, I'm a customer. And I said, I just want to, she said, I'm, I, this, we, just don't, we don't do that here. In other words, we don't, Filipino, we don't do that. I said, look, we should do. You know, there are police that are trying to protect us. And so she well, I don't know. So she grabs these cups and she put them on the tree and she's slamming the stuff down. And she says, I don't like this a bit. I said, well, look, by the way, don't tell them it's me. And she said, well, what if they ask? I said, well, just tell them somebody bought it for them. Somebody who prays for them. She said, well, I don't like this. And so she walks out of the thing. She runs the corner and she's, she's, she's upset. She goes and serves the three policemen. A few minutes later, she comes back, and she's like this. I said, what happened? She said, they know it's you. I said, why do they know it's me? And in shame, she said, because they said a man came by a few minutes ago and spoke nicely to them. Now, why is that such a big deal? Because it opened the door for those men to hear the gospel. And this lady who served them, in a small measure, showed them the, showed her the kindness of Christ. Are you kind? You know, I asked my son, Robbie, why do you like Deanna so much? Deanna was his fiance, and before, now they're married. They have three grown kids. And I said, Robbie, why do you like Deanna so much? And he thought for a moment. He said, Well, Dad. For three reasons. Number one, she's so much like the Lord Jesus. Number two, she's so much like mom. And number three, she's so kind to everybody. Did that describe you? Little things like kindness is not the gospel. Don't 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 misunderstand. It's not the gospel. But it opens the door for people to hear the gospel and come to faith in Christ. A wide door for effective service number three has opened to me. Has opened to me. This is taking personal responsibility because you are a Christian and part of the family of God. You are responsible. A wide door for effective service has opened to you. You be faithful. You be generous. You let your light shine. You reach out in the name of, of to, in a time of need. You go into all the world. You be kind to others. Titus two seven says, "In all things, show yourself to be an example." Some of you served in the army and the military. Uh, the, the the motto of the army, U.S. Army, used to be an army of one, an army of one. In other words, the army is made up of individuals. Each soldier is vitally important to the success of any battle of 
for any victory. Everybody. You may think you're insignificant in this church, but you are not. You miss one Sunday and it is felt throughout the whole fellowship because of the importance that you have to the glory of God in this fellowship. Therefore, to one, we read in James 4.17, to one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it to him is sin. Proverbs 31.89 says, you speak up for those who cannot speak up for themselves. So is it a sin to hear of our needy brothers and sisters and Desperate need and do nothing? Is it a sin to hear today of the need of the gospel? So many places of the world and you do nothing? The Bethel Church in Shanghai in the 1930s. <laughs> a wonderful story. They were a group of small church. This size. Living Old Bible Church. Downtown Shanghai. In the 1930s, same thing. You know, a small church. Some of the people said, you know, we got all of China. Many people in China do not know the message that we have heard. So Bethel Evangelistic Church started the Bethel Evangelistic Bands. They formed evangelistic bands of three people. Here's three right here. And here's another three, another three. And these bands would gather together and pray together, and then they start branching out throughout Shanghai. And then some wanted to go to other parts of the country. So they started spreading out throughout China. This little church sending bands, evangelist bands, throughout China. And God brought multitudes to faith in Christ through these little evangelistic bands. But you know what happened? One day they got a, a message from Indonesia. The Chinese in Java, Indonesia said, could you send some, could you send some evangelistic bands, Bethel evangelistic bands, to evangelize the Chinese here in Java, Indonesia. And the church started discussing this, and some people in the church said, oh, no, no, we got too much to do right here in China. You know, we got enough to do in Shanghai. Why do we want to send people to Java, Indonesia? But the answer came back. Because Jesus said to go into all the world with the gospel, and Bethel is going to do what Jesus says. Bethel is going. They took the personal responsibility to take care of a need for the glory of God. For a wide door for effective service has opened to me, and my final point, number four, and there are many adversaries. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13 says, Be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, Act like men, be strong, be courageous, because we are in a spiritual battle. It didn't say, but, oh, forever. It says, and there are many adversaries. We are living in a wicked world. Time for us in the power of the Holy Spirit to be courageous. Psalm 34, 19 says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them from them all. The world, the flesh, and the devil, everything in between we are faced with today, aren't we? Philippians 1, 28 and 29, in no way alarmed by your opponents. All the wickedness that we have, even in politics today, don't be alarmed by that. 
Now to you has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, in other words, to do something about it for the glory of God, but also to suffer for his sake. Salvation and suffering go hand in hand. If you serve God, you will suffer. You will. It will be painful. It will be inconvenient. So what about the problems, the many adversaries we face today? 100 million street children throughout the world. 100,000 in my city, Manoa. 200,000 throughout the city, throughout the country. I don't know if you know what a street child is. A street child is a little kid this age, this age, 12 years of age, selling herself in prostitution. I know there's children here. I have to be careful. A little boy, six years old, he goes, he's, he's goes to a garbage can, finds something to eat. He gets the flu. What does he do? Sleeps on a concrete under a bridge. He didn't know anything about chicken soup cures anything. He has no mom. He has no hot food. has no clean water. has no place to go to the bathroom. has never takes a shower. Lives like a little animal. Even when you give him something to eat, he snatches it from you because he's like a wild animal. He has no love, no compassion, no care at all from anyone. He's suspicious of adults because the adults are the ones that are abusing him, raping him, kicking him, spitting on him, putting a lot of fluid on him, burning him. What does he do? He needs someone like you to do everything you can to rescue that little boy and tell him about Christ and give him a home. That's what you do. Slavery. You know slavery today? There's 27,000 slaves in the world today. Some of you are taking vacations to Haiti. Do you know in Haiti there are four, excuse me, 400,000 little boys and girls under the age of 12 sold into slavery in the country of Haiti today? Child prostitution, you know, some of you argue about the border crossing down. Do you know hundreds of little children under the age of 12, boys and girls, are smuggled across the border every day in the southern borders of the United States of America and sold into sex slavery? Have you read the papers? There are 12,000 little children, young people, in sex slavery in the San Diego County alone. And you get upset about a few tweets of a president. When 200 children die of drug overdose every day, 1,666 children are, are aborted every day in this country, United States of America. You talk, you talk about, don't mention these things. They're, they're, um, they're political, political, they're people. Infanticide, drag queens in libraries, and we argue about the freedom of all this gobbledygook. We've got a political party that promotes sexual deviancy in our country, the United States of America. God have mercy on us. I kind of feel we're ju- being judged today, but judgment has brought about the righteous. And the unrighteous gives us an opportunity to share the gospel. Homosexuality is everywhere. What does it do for us? It tells us we need to share the gospel with these. There's no hope. Romans 1 says they're unnatural sin. 
their conscience is seared as with a hot iron. That's the wickedness we face today. Wickedness seems to have been released, and we're right in the middle of it. John 13, 19 says, This is the judgment that the light, the gospel of Jesus, has come into the world, and men love the darkness rather than light because, for fear that their deeds may be exposed. Romans 1, 25 and 32, They did not see fit to acknowledge God. God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not even proper, not even mentioned. They even give support and approval to those who practice them. So what are we to do? All the adversaries and dangers and difficulties and diseases to be confronted with the compassion of God's people. And the truth of the gospel. For the gospel is a power of God for salvation. See, that's the hope. Remember that in the midst of such wickedness, Christ, through the gospel, rescues us. The Bible says, such were some of you. God saves. My sister, who was like a prostitute, I hate to say that. She came out of a, she had seven husbands. She had children. She didn't know who the father was. She came out of a grocery store in Southern California in her skimpy dress and her painted face, and she looked apart. And she's walking out the door, and a little timid pastor gave her a gospel track. He probably shook when he saw this wicked woman <laughs> and he gave her the track. And he didn't know what to say. So he said, Lady, <laughs> you look like you need this. Can you believe that? And Carol, my sister, walks out to the car. She's so angry. She's swearing. She's screaming. She opens the, tr opens the track. She starts reading it. She read the gospel, and she was saved right there in the car. She became a godly, godly, godly woman. My brother got out of prison. First thing he did is go to a, go to a bar and pick up a woman. Wakes up the next day with this lady in bed with her. Kind of liked her, and they were together for a week, drinking everything, and ran out of money. Well, he just got out of prison, had all the tattoos over his body, and <laughs> we got to get some money. So Doris, this lady goes down, wicked lady. Oh, she was bad. She goes down to Walmart and gets a job. First day on the job, some women see her. She looked apart too. Hey, Doris, we're having, come and have lunch with us. They're kind to her, took her to lunch and shared their lunch with her, had a Bible study and shared the gospel with Doris. And Doris came to faith in Christ. <laughs> Can you believe this? She goes back and she says to my brother, I can't be with you anymore. We're not married. <laughs> he says, well, let's get married. So she didn't know anything about marrying an unbeliever. So they got married. And a month later, my brother Alan Roy came to Christ. They raised a wonderful family of three. See, God saves. God saves. God saves. See, the wicked, they're not our enemy. They're our mission field. Remember that. The Bible says that like a trampled spring and a polluted well is a righteous man who gives way to the wicked. 
Don't give way to the wicked. Go after them. Soldiers were surrounded by the enemy. One of the men said to his commanding officer, Sir, we're surrounded by the enemy. What do we do? The captain yelled back, Surrounded by the enemy. Don't let any of them escape. So let's go after all of them. Remember, the lost of the wicked are not our enemy. Our mission field. So let me close. This is a heavy message. I like what Spurgeon said in the midst of such overwhelming needs. He said, don't let the immensity of the task deter you, but let it drive you to do something about it for the glory of God. Isn't that good? Don't let, don't let all the huge immensity of the task deter us. Oh, Lord, how, how can I possibly do anything in this wicked world? Don't let it deter you, but let it drive you to do something about it for the glory of God. For a wide door, for effective service, has opened to us and there are many adversaries. 1998, Margaret and I arrived in the Philippines after a short furlough. And we're going through immigration and there are hundreds of people in line when you go through immigration. And uh, the, the Philippines was in this big election. Sixteen men and women were running for the president of the Philippines. I mean, it was really chaotic. People were getting shot. I mean, it was, it was some, so many people running for. And there, you don't run the president, vice president as one ticket. It's vice presidents, they were running separately. So all these 16 for president. I don't know, 30 of them for vice president. I mean, it was so big. And uh, people were just overwhelmed with all this election and ballots and posters and placards. It, it was just overwhelming. We came through immigration at that time. We finally got up to the immigration officer, and you could tell he was wore out. I mean, he was tired. All these people come to the Philippines, and it was hot. Aircon wasn't working. He came out, and it, it, Filipinos are very polite, but I got the impolite one. Came up to, and I gave him a passport, and he looked at me and said, And what is your purpose for coming to the Philippines? Man, I don't know what to say. So I smiled and said, Oh, I've decided to run for the president of the Republic of the Philippines. <laughs> My wife about died. <laughs> and he, 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 he sits back, and, and then he realized I was joking, so he smiled. And he said, well, come on in. <laughs> we need all the help we can get. You know, that's the world today. Come and help us. We need help. Come in and help us. Let's heed the call to come and help in any way possible to assist our brothers and sisters worldwide with the gospel and compassionate care to the glory of God. Someone prayed, I am only one, but I am one. I cannot do everything, but I can do something. That which I can do, by the grace of God, I will do for the glory of God. The Apostle Paul said it better in Colossians 1, 28 and 29. And I close. We proclaim him, Christ, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom that we may present every man complete in Christ. For this purpose, I labor, 
striving according to all the power that God has given me. Notice that? I'm insignificant. I will work, do what little I can, but I will rely on the power of God to use me for his glory. And he'll do the same for you. Father, thank you for this short text from the Apostle Paul to the church at Corinth. And may we be spurred on by this short challenge to do all we can. Not in the flesh, but in the power of God. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.